So early in my career as a pastor, I was preaching at a, a church about how uh, the Bible is not intended to be this oppressive thing that we are forced to obey or follow without question or without engagement. So as an illustration, I said, I have often heard Christians say, the Bible says it, I believe it, the end. And immediately someone yelled, amen, which was really awkward because the next thing I was going to say was, but that's not how the Bible works. <laughs> it, it's sort of like being here and saying, you know, some people believe that the Dodgers are better than the Yankees. And because we're here in LA, all of you good Christians would say, <laughs> I know it's so hard for Presbyterians, you good Christians would say, and then I would say something like, but consider that the Yankees have won 27 World Series championships and the Dodgers only seven, right? How awkward. <laughs> but of course, with, with sports and with religion and all kinds of other things, the conversation is always a lot more complicated than who's right and who's wrong or what is the one right answer. As I mentioned last week, we all come at life and faith from different perspectives and all kinds of different experiences. This means that we often will see things differently, even if we're looking at the very same thing. So for various reasons, I think that God is speaking to us most clearly when we read the Bible and when we are in community together, looking at it from different angles and different perspectives and coming honestly, to different conclusions. The conversation is sort of the point, which is why I didn't like the idea of the Bible ending the conversation. But if the conversation is the point, then maybe that one amen yelling Presbyterian understood that particular phrase differently than I did. Maybe they understood it or knew something or it meant something different to them than I could understand. So maybe I shouldn't have been so quick to say, but that's not how the Bible works, as if I'm the one person who knows exactly how the Bible works. Maybe, maybe I should have been more curious. So I've said this before, and it's worth repeating, that I believe that sermons are intended to either initiate or continue a conversation. Um, so I hope at times that you have an experience of feeling like, God is speaking to you through whatever it is that I'm saying. But at the same time, I am most certainly not the voice of God speaking to you and to all people for all of time. I'm sure you guys have, have never like, thought that that was true anyway, and you probably don't struggle with this, but it's good to know that it's okay to disagree with the pastor. It's okay to disagree with whatever it is that I have to say. In fact, it's best if we are in a community together with people who see things differently and have different perspectives. This is what I find most interesting about our story today in 1 Samuel chapter 8. So as I read, I'll be skipping around a little bit to try to condense this larger story uh, into something a little bit more, more manageable. So 1 Samuel chapter 8. And remember, Samuel is the, this prophet who is leading the people of Israel and speaking truth to those who are in positions of power. So when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. But his sons did not follow his ways. 
They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all of the elders or the leaders of Israel said to Samuel, you are old, (laughs) which seems like a strange way to start out a conversation. You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us like all the other nations. Then in verse 6, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. And if we're honest, I'm guessing that Samuel was displeased from the very beginning when they started out with, you are old. But he was displeased about this and he prayed to God and the Lord said to him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Skipping down to verse 9, now listen to them, but warn them seriously and tell them what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. So then summarizing about seven verses of detail, Samuel tells the people what the Lord had told him. Just so you know, the king will send your sons to war. They will take your daughters and your land and your money and your possessions all to serve their own needs and their own wants. And if that wasn't bad enough, Samuel drops the mic with this statement in verse 17, and you, you will become slaves. This is the warning. And this is the worst thing you could possibly say to these leaders as a warning because they had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. They escaped through the waters of the Red Sea to be free. They wandered for 40 years through the wilderness so that they could be free. They've been fighting for their autonomy all this time, and now you want to recreate that suffering in Egypt here? And the people said, yes. We want a king. But, but having suffered under Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, do you, not, do you now want our nation to become like all the other nations in their ability to abuse power and to oppress others? This is sort of like this, well, a lot of stories that we have in the world, but it's, this is like this, the backstory of Anakin Skywalker who grew up as a slave on Tatooine, was rescued by the Jedi, but then with that freedom eventually turned to the dark side, where, as Darth Vader, he would enslave a whole galaxy far, far away. The people want a king because they are afraid of their neighbors, who they are constantly fighting with. The people want a king because they have experienced injustice themselves. The people want a king because they are afraid of the unknown without the leadership of Samuel, who is old. Fear of our ever-changing world, fear of our ever-changing culture is what drives so much of our politics. It's what drives so much of our culture wars that we see today. And so the prophet Samuel is sort of like Yoda, who says to the young Anakin, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. You can't make a stronger case against having a king than this. 
And the people still say, nope, we want a king like the rest of the nations. So God says for the third time in verse 22, listen to their voices and give them what they want and set a king over them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the people are rejecting God as their leader. The people are turning away from God's heart for justice and equality. And yet three times God says to Samuel, listen to everything that they are saying. Listen to them. And last, listen to their voices. But doesn't listening feel like accepting their position or their behavior or their perspective that we disagree with? Doesn't listening feel like we're just letting people get away with harming others and saying harmful things? I don't know. I mean, maybe we end up in these places, maybe we end up having these cultural wars and conflicts because we haven't done enough listening. Now, to be clear, I don't mean listening in the sense of let's just let people spew as much hate as they want. Like, let's just give voice to that constantly. Because as we know, hate leads to an immense amount of suffering. I'm thinking that listening here means more, what are you afraid of? Or tell me about your experiences. Or what do you want? What do you really want? Why, why is this so important to you? Why is this issue so important to you? Or what is it that caused you to turn to the dark side? Okay, so maybe not that last question, but I, I mean, that's the question we want to ask, but maybe we can be more curious. We, we don't have to agree with another person. We don't have to agree with another perspective in order to listen. So, so listening is actually the way that we reflect different values. Samuel is making his case against a system where one person, the king, has the power to speak while everyone else is forced to listen. But it's really hard to make that case if Samuel is the one person who is speaking and expecting everybody else just to listen to him and not to respond or not have anything else to say. Listening in this case is an act of resistance against oppression. Listening is an act of resistance against treating people as less than human. Listening is an act of love that has the power to attend to those deeper issues that are causing our pain or that are causing suffering. So hundreds of years later, Jesus comes along, and in the course of the Gospels, Jesus asks over 300 questions to get at the heart of our fear and our anger and our hate and our suffering. Jesus asks over 300 questions to draw us into the heart of God, God's heart for faith and for hope and for love and for justice and equality, which Jesus labels as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, this is the phrase that takes us from Jesus back to 1 Samuel chapter 8, where the people turn away from God as their king, which means that Samuel's warning about what a king will be 
And what a king will do is the opposite of what God is doing among us. So instead of war, God sends us out to make peace, to make shalom where people have everything that they need. Instead of forced labor for the, for the daughters of Israel, there is gender equality and bodily autonomy in God's way of ordering the world. Instead of the accumulation of wealth and resources for the privileged few, there is economic justice. Instead of slavery and discrimination, there is racial justice and there is freedom. This is the kingdom of God. Next week, we worship together at Calvary Baptist in celebration of Juneteenth, which marks this significant moment in American history when freedom from slavery finally arrives for all black Americans who were enslaved. On Juneteenth, we celebrate the kingdom of God. And on Juneteenth, we long for the kingdom of God that still needs to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Please pray with me. God, may your listening and loving spirit attend to our deepest feelings, experiences, and longings. May your listening and loving spirit empower us to listen and to love and to be a part of your movement in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.